We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Craig Mastro, a former FFPC main event and Football Guys Players Championship League winner whose career earnings total nearly $20,000. Currently, he has two teams in the top 100 in the Football Guys Players Championship, including one that sits in 17th place overall in the 7,800-team FPC, a contest with a $2.1 million prize pool and a $250,000 grand prize. In this episode, we discuss the concept of stacking players on the same NFL team on season-long fantasy teams early in the draft, why John Brown and Tyler Boyd are becoming more fantasy-relevant by the day, and much more. Before we get into the show, I do want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel as well. Now, without further ado, here's $20,000 high stakes fantasy football winner, Craig Mastro. So I am sitting here with 
well not here because he is he is uh further west than where i am right now the pride of colorado mr craig mastro the master damas himself 17th overall in the fantasy football excuse me in the football guys players championship currently craig we're going to get into the fantasy side of this but tell the listeners what you do for a living when you're not playing high stakes fantasy football all right Bucky. well i've been a criminal defense attorney out here in colorado i'm also licensed in pennsylvania my home state near pittsburgh but i've been a criminal defense attorney for 27 years 27 years. Wow, that is. You, I'm sure you, you could spin a few yarns on stuff that's come your way uh, in the courtroom over the years. Oh yeah, I was, I was five when I got admitted into the bar. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, listen, let's let's talk about uh, this FPC team because it is. Uh, it's not only near the top 20, but uh, it is in 17th as we enter week four. Uh, and this is, I, it, you know, in looking at this team, Craig. To me, this is the poster child of people who will ask me, "Hey, should I should I take um, you know? Uh, well, I'll just use the example that you did. Should I take Alvin Kamara in the first, and then Michael Thomas in the second, or is that too dicey to have my first two round, uh, my top two picks on the same team? Um, well, you're, I mean, it's it's clearly been working out for you, and those guys have been. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas, you make the argument that he's been the best receiver. And Alvin Kamara, you know, maybe the second best running back so far. Did you have any concern when you were actually drafting this team about drafting two Saints to to begin this team? No, Eric, no, not at all. Because what I wanted to do, I wanted to make sure I got Drew Brees' best, you know, passing. And that's with Kamara. Each game, he probably, would, I estimated at that time he'd get eight different targets. He's getting over 10. And that's probably because of uh, Ingram being out. But then Michael Thomas, this is going to be his breakout year. So when I combined those two, I just made sure I didn't go with with Breeze when I picked up a quarterback. I think I went with Russell Wilson and and uh, Carson Wentz. But, you know, Eric, I could tell you this. One of the biggest things that I, I'd suggest to people out there, I picked this team, I think it was July 13th. Yes, sir. So, yeah, and it was – it was close to midnight Eastern time, so about 10 o'clock my time, so you know I wasn't too tired or anything like that. And my goal was to get Kamara. I got, he fell to me in the seventh pick overall. And then when I saw uh, Michael Thomas come back around, I had to get him. And then, I, and then he probably even more fortunate than anything were my next two picks. Uh, and I did look at the draft board before this because I was looking at this team. And I got Stefan Diggs and then Juju uh, – Smith-Schuster. So, I mean, right there was a good basis, you know, a nucleus for a team. And I always tell people, too, it, because, I, a lot, you know, a lot of people like to wait till the last possible minute to draft, you know, after the third week of the preseason, and that's fine. I mean, do whatever you're comfortable with. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, you should be drafting earlier. But I will say for people who do like to draft early, like you in mid-July, this is the type of value that you can get that you can't get when it gets to be late August, early September. I mean, all the information that is out there um, that we're actually seeing in preseason, everybody knows uh, at that point in the season, at that point in the drafting season. So there's not a lot of value to be had. But, I mean, clearly you got a lot of value here, not just with Kamara and Thomas, but getting Diggs and Smith-Schuster, who's had 100 yards every single game so far this season, too, and he doesn't look to be slowing down anytime soon. Uh, it's all about targets. And then later on, you know, Chris Thompson felt like – later rounds for me and I was picking the seventh spot which I really like and then some of the other backup players you know James White which no one was picking probably till the ninth round or something 
And then, uh, no, that's a well-put-together team. And then I've added a little bit with the hopes of maybe somebody getting injured. But that's where I'm at with that. Like I said, I would suggest, you know, that's the time to take advantage of an opportunity where people might not, you know, they might get in a $350 league like this and just do it for fun and they do it early. And then you get somebody that has been doing this for a while and and understands this league with the tight ends getting 1.5 and, you know, big PPR league like this where there's a big, big prize if you can, you know, take it all the way to the end. And, um, you know, that that's where I think you can really take advantage of, of the situation because you don't have some of the bigger guns in there, um, you know, that I've probably been put in, in the main events with. You know, we're drafting against each other. You don't have that all the time early in these 350 drafts. And I think you can take advantage of, you know, the players will fall easier. I, you know, I, I know David Hubbard, who won the 2016 FFPC main event. He said numerous times on, on Twitter this drafting season and, and uh, in a lot of draft rooms I was in with him where, where I was commissioning uh, and he was drafting. He said he really liked the middle of the drafts, too, that 6-7-8 pick. Why did you – well, I mean, I won't ask you to speak to, you know, to, to why he liked it, but why did you like drafting in the middle this year? Well, I respect Hubbard. He's great. And – uh but I like the mid-rounds. I don't like the ends as much because the players come back. Kind of like this. you know. I never thought that I would get um, Michael Thomas in the second. I mean, that's so key. I knew he was going to have a great year. And then, you know, Stephon Diggs, if I remember that early, everyone was jumping on um, the other wide receiver, Thielen. And he was going in the second round or third round. So – and Diggs, I knew, would be more of the, of the touchdown guy, and then he'd be the big play guy. And Cousins seems to, you know, like him real well. But in the middle rounds, I think you get uh, true value. Like Cremera, when would he go later, you know, closer to when football season starts, right? He was probably going fourth running back, fifth running back? Yeah, I would say so. Right after Antonio Brown, probably, from all yeah. the drafts I've done. And I, I've had 20 – um, three hundred fifty dollar leagues, and then I have four main event teams. So I kept it, I kept it lower this year, and I think I got some pretty good value, especially on this team. One other thing I want to uh, ask you about as a follow up to something you said: you got Kamara and Michael Thomas, but you said you wanted to avoid taking Drew Brees. Would be would taking the quarterback there be overkill to get the quarterback, running back, and receiver all on the same team? I think so. I mean, and if you know, this team is 17th overall at, what, 7,800. But I have another team that's 95th, and that's only probably 20, 23 to 24 points behind this one. And it has Drew Brees with Camara. And then I have another team that's in third spot in my ranking, on my team that's 3-0. and And um, it has Drew Brees, and I think it has Michael Thomas. So, I mean – Saints were just a good good value this draft, I think. All the Saints players. They don't have a tight end, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess they, Watson's coming on now. And Watson was a good find. Um, I just – I probably didn't pick him as early as I could because I really like to go with, uh, you know, like Ertz and and some of the bigger bigger name tight ends early if you can get them. But, but he's he's been doing great. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, let's move on. I want to switch conferences here. We've been talking about the Saints over in the NFC. Let's talk about the Titans over in the AFC, and specifically uh, your fifth-round pick, Dion Lewis. Um, and, and maybe we could just 
maybe we could branch this out, not specifically about Deion Lewis, but just the Titans offense uh, overall, as it seems that they've all kind of taken a step back so far because Marcus Mariota has not been healthy enough to play up to the level that we have seen him be capable of playing uh, as he tries to, to get healthy. Is Deion Lewis the only Tennessee Titan you're good with starting going forward until you see the Titans sort of start to put it together offensively? Well, you know, the, the main Titan actually probably would have been the guy that, what, broke his ankle? <laughs> and that's uh, the tight end. Delaney Walk- Walker, yeah. Delaney, and, you know, that he would have probably been the better of the Titans out of them all because he's not switching off as much with other tight ends like Deion Lewis is with, you know, Derrick Henry. But Derrick – or uh, Deion Lewis, excuse me. And Deion Lewis, just watching him in New England – He's solid. He was solid out of the backfield. He's tough enough to score passes or, you know, touchdowns. And then he's going to get the short passes, the little dumps. Henry's never going to get those. And and Mariota, I think especially this year, um, you know, if he was healthy, would have probably hit Lewis a lot more than what he has at this point. And, uh, but Dion Dion's a tough back. He's great value. Where did you say I got him? I probably got him in the what? Fifth, fifth round is where you took him in this draft. And and at that point, after picking three wide receivers in the second, third, and fourth, I had to come back with a guy that would, who I felt could have done it all. Could get you know, could run the touchdown in, could catch a pass and score a touchdown in the air too. So, Dion, I like him, I, and I didn't think. I think Mariota would open up the game. I didn't like um, Corey Davis. I don't think he's that great um, going forward. I, I agree with uh, you know what you said about Deion Lewis being probably the main Titan now since Walker's out. And um, you know, let's hope the Titans' offense can be more productive, and, and uh, at least for my sake. And I'm just, I should bring this up that I just got a couple of updates to my phone right now that Richard Matthews has actually asked the Titans for his release. So it sounds like he will no longer be in Tennessee going forward. And then I don't know. I mean, maybe that thing that maybe that improves things with Taewon Taylor and, and Corey Davis there. But um, like you said, I mean, we need to, we need to kind of see it first. And, you know, I love Corey Davis. I think he's going to have a great NFL career, but uh, as far as 2018 goes, um, he has been on my bench in, in leagues that, that I can afford to put him on until I see something. And, Craig, I'll be honest with you. If he has like a 10 for 150 game with two touchdowns, um, I'm okay with that on my bench. Uh, you know, once I see it, then I'll feel better about putting him in there. But I, I sort of need the production right now, and Corey Davis is just not delivering. And, and EB, I can tell you this. I think out of the 24 teams that I had and all the drafts I've done and every round, you know, 20 rounds a pop, I may have Corey Davis on one team. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of the key. To, you know, right now my early success is it just seemed like I avoided a lot of the big injury guys that, that have gone down. I didn't do that last year. <laughs> yeah, and that, that can make or break a season for sure. Uh, speaking of injuries, a guy who did not practice on Wednesday, uh, and you know we're recording this Wednesday night, uh, so today he did not practice, was John Brown for the Ravens, and he's actually been very good for you uh, in this league so far. Um, now we'll be keeping an eye to see you know if he can get some practice get a practice in tomorrow or especially Friday if he doesn't practice on Friday I think we can kiss week four for him bye bye but is he the receiver 
on the Ravens to play over Michael Crabtree until further notice? You know, I got a man crush on John. You know, on John Brown, I, I've liked him. He's, you know, he has that. I think he has a sickle cell uh, trait that has helped hurt him and and through his career. I, I don't want to misspeak, but I think he's had some injuries with that being healthy. Yes. But man, I tell you what, he's just the right size. He can catch the short passes. I love them opposite of uh, Fitz. You know, Patrick out in Arizona. The only the only thing was, I'm a big Steeler fan, right? Steeler Nation. And uh, when he went to when he went to Baltimore, that kind of, you know, my feelings went down a little bit. But <laughs> this, this is fantasy, and I'm going for it all. And I had to have him on my team. I just I just knew people weren't going to be on him. Some weeks he wasn't even getting drafted. You right. could pick him up for a buck, but wherever I got him, probably in the later rounds, ten, twelve, or whatever. Um, I needed him there. I wanted him there, and you know, he, he's uh, and what? I think he's only twenty-eight. Uh, no, tw- that sounds right. I don't even. Uh, to be honest with you, I think he might. Uh, he might even be. He might even be younger than twenty. I'm gonna look it up right now to see. Uh, he was born April third, nineteen ninety. So he is exactly twenty-eight years old. Good call by you. Yeah, I I, I follow his career, and I'm still following him. I just don't want him to score too much. It's my Steelers, you know. Especially this week when they when they clash. Correct, and you know when you when you pair those two, Crabtree and Brown, you know, other than Crabtree being a lot taller and more of a possession guy, Brown can be a possession guy, which he was out of the slot. You know, you won't see Crabtree in the slot that much, if at all, and. Um, He's only, he'll be more effective, meaning Crabtree in the ends in the uh, towards the the red zone. But John Brown, he'll get you there from 60 yards out, 65, or he'll from inside the 10. You know, he's even strong enough to take a, a you know lateral and take it in from you know inside the 15. Again, I just hope he doesn't do it this week. If he plays, I think he'll play. It says a non-injury related. Uh, personal matter. So I think he didn't practice non-injury related. So he's not hurt. That's, that was Wednesday update that I just saw. So I think he's going to play in what Pittsburgh's got the 30th, you know, worst pass, you know, defense right now. So it's not been good for Pittsburgh and, and their secondary for sure. They've been giving up a lot. Of, I mean, well, we saw it on Monday night, you know, where Ryan Fitzpatrick, it looks like they had, they had solved it in the first half. And then Fitzpatrick comes out with the Fitz magic uh, after halftime. And, and all of a sudden we, it's the same Pittsburgh secondary. We've been seeing the, the first couple of weeks. And, and to my credit, if you, if you saw what I scored on this team, uh, I, I was probably in the one sixties this the the day uh, the week before I think it was one ninety some, uh, but I, I played Fitzpatrick against my Steelers. Ah, and I was a little worried when there was three picks early on, Eric. <laughs> but you know, so Artie Burns was on my side. He gets burned every week, twice, three times, sometimes. So that was good that he was out there. And I'm just thankful, uh, you know, my Steelers won, but. And you got like that Penn State boy Godwin. Yeah, that's true. That is that is definitely true. He's been coming on as well. 
Um, sticking in that same division, that AFC North division, it has been Tyler Boyd mania the last couple of weeks for the Bengals in Cincinnati. And it kind of seems like we might be seeing a breakout season for Tyler Boyd. Where does he end up, in, in your opinion, where does he end up finishing among receivers at the end of 2018? Well, you know what? I think he, he could be in the top 25. I, I mean, easily. And now what? I just I think they just said something about uh, – you know, AJ Green's getting old, long in the tooth. Every, you know, he's not practicing as much. He's a stud, but Boyd is—he's everything right now. And, and I'll tell you, on this team, I guess the fortunes of, of doing well is one thing, but then, you know, it's been a practice of mine. I think I might have to reconsider it now. Is that I went after Boyd, but I only spent I think forty-seven dollars. I wasn't spending two hundred. Uh, I knew he was going to do well, but I just thought I could steal him. And then a shout-out to the uh, the Lions in my division. I can't swear right now, can I? No, but... I, I would I would caution you against that. Okay. Well, Lions, good job, Lions, because they, they picked him up for $67, so they're going to reek some rewards from him. I wish – if I would have had him on this team – you know, I'm still going to fight through it, but it would have been nice to have him on my bench and then move him into a lineup. I'd probably play him this week over John Brown. Yeah, I mean, he's – it's – you know, A.J. Green was dealing with that, you know, whatever it was, a groin or a leg thing. And it's not like Boyd just had all his stats after uh, Green got injured. I mean, he was doing stuff before then. So regardless of if Green is out there or not, you'd like to think that Boyd – has a good week four. Let's move to, I mean, Boyd's not a rookie, but let's talk about a couple of rookie quarterbacks that, well, joined, that joined Sam Darnold this week in taking over as the QB1 for their respective teams. In Cleveland, you have Baker Mayfield. We all saw what he did on Thursday night. And then, of course, Josh Rosen in the desert in Arizona. From a fantasy standpoint, Craig, which player or players from either the Browns or the Cardinals do you expect to see their value spike with these talented rookie passers uh, now in charge of those offenses? Well, that team jumped. Cleveland jumped right when uh, Baker got in there. And I wasn't a big Baker fan, but I-, I like Cleveland, even though they're in the division. They're my favorite, least favorite team. You know, I hate Baltimore and Cincy, but I think it's going to be Jarvis Landry where he was catching everything. He was after the catch, he'd push people around. He was playing tough when uh, Baker hit him on the very first pass and then several passes after that. And then I think it goes in Cleveland. I think it's uh, Jarvis Landry, Carlos Hyde, who, who just looked like he had more more steps, you know, in his, in his footing, and then the Joko. I think that he might finally get a chance to score more uh, out of that tight end spot. So those are the three. Arizona, it's a little different. I don't know if, you know, that kid Kirk came up, right, Christian Kirk? Yep. And I don't know if he was playing, if he when he wasn't starting, if him and Rosen built up any rapport. We're going to have to wait and see. But obviously you got, you know, Fitz who can catch anything. So you, I think if Rosen's wise, he'll, he'll go to, the, you know, the savvy vet. And, and I think uh, Fitz will, will have a good one. Now, on a personal note, and I think a lot of uh, other fantasy, you know, players out there, we're hoping that Ricky Seals Jones can maybe, you know, catch five passes a game now with Rosen checking it down or just throwing the short ball. You know, that, so that's 
That's how I like it. Uh, you know, getting back to the Cleveland backfield, before the season started, there was, you know, you had your Carlos Hyde people, you had your Duke Johnson people, and I think there is, and myself included, I grabbed Nick Chubb late in 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 a yeah. lot of drafts. Um, you know, just kind of betting that at some point Carlos Hyde was going to relinquish that starting role to Chubb uh, because it was the the contract that that Hyde signed with the Browns. It's very easy for the Cleveland to get out of after the first year, and I just felt like, okay, well, reading between the lines here, it's going to be Nick Chubb's job sooner rather than later. He looked not only has he looked good so far at the start of the season, but when when Mayfield took over, Hyde looked great uh, as well. And and I, I feel like the correct answer in the Browns' backfield was probably Carlos Hyde. I mean, Nick Chubb is playing special teams and not doing much when he gets the opportunity. And for whatever reason, after Cleveland signed Duke Johnson to that extension, they're not using him. Uh, for you know, and I don't know why, but but Hyde seems like the correct answer in that backfield. He's a three-down back, and he just said, you know, hold off, Chubbs. <laughs> you know, and unless he gets hurt, I don't think he will. And you know, this was something in the draft, and this goes to the general manager. If I'm sitting at number one and I'm Cleveland, even I don't, you know, they got Hyde, but I would have went. I love Barkley. I'm a Penn State boy. I would have went Barkley. And I would have thought that I could have gotten Baker later, you know, at four. But they must have known something, and they like Baker. But that kid Ward is great for them. He's been great. He's been wow. very, very good. Um, you look at um, your drafts now, and, and, and Craig, we, we talked earlier. You said how you've, you've basically been been lucky as far as injuries go. You, I mean, and these things have a, a way of evening thing, things out. You, you weren't as lucky with injuries in 2017 thus far. You've done, been a, done a pretty good job of avoiding them. However, as you look back on your drafts, is there something that you wish that, you know, something that you did that you wish you could take back or, or a player that you went after that you wish that, uh, I, I really shouldn't have gone after him. And then maybe a player that you got on a couple of teams that you're like, you know, I had a feeling about this guy and I should have drafted him more and I didn't. And I wish I would have drafted him more. A couple of those things right there. Uh, can you comment on um, when you look at the leagues that you have going so far? Yeah, and, and the most money where I spent was the main event. I was picking third and I probably took the whole, you know, minute and a half or two minutes to pick. And and then I went, you know, Levy and Bell. Uh, so <laughs> frustrating. Like, but you know what I did? On that t- team later in the later rounds, sixth, seventh, eighth, I knew I had to get Connor, so I got them both. And now I'm hoping he gets traded so I can have two starters. Yeah. So even though I made a huge mistake, because right there I should have picked Camara, because my other two teams I went with Barkley and Barkley, and I picked Barkley early. I love the kid. Um, you know, we caught what 13 passes the other day. It's great. You know, his only. His limitations with Eli Manning, probably, you know, Barkley. But so Lady and Bell. But then I think I came back with Connor. So I think I I I, I tried to cure my mistake. And and honestly, when I picked Bell at third, I thought he was going to pull the same thing that he did last year with the Steelers and show up the day or you know before pick up a game check for what eight hundred twenty thousand or whatever a game check. I mean, I don't see how he can just and just show up to, and miss the first week, you know, not not do what he's doing now. It is crazy. And that was, you know, the story, I think, for the main events in 2017 
was the Kareem Hunt performance on Thursday night football against the Patriots. And then you saw Hunt yeah. vaulting up to the top three. He went one overall in, in, in a lot of drafts. And I think the story this year of the main event was how do you handle Le'Veon Bell, who had been going first or second overall in just about every draft prior to, you know, this, this, this holdout stuff became real. Not only what do you do with Bell, but how do you handle James Conner? And you saw people investing a lot of times a first-round pick in Bell and, and sometimes a fourth or a fifth-round pick in James Conner. And while that seems seemed to be a rich price to pay, now, I mean, if he's moved to somebody like the Jets or somebody who is willing to, you know, not only, you know, give up a, a mid-round pick for him, but uh, is willing to pay him, uh, for the long term, now those people that invested a, a first and a fourth round pick in Bell and Connor, it it kind of it almost looks like a value, you know. I mean, the sooner Bell gets into his new team and and you know gets in the flow of the offensive line and the offense and everything like that, the better. But I mean, if you can weather the storm and get to the playoffs, and and then by the time week you know, 12, 13, your league playoffs, and then the, the championship sprint when it begins in week 14. When that rolls around, if you're trotting out both Bell and Connor and they're both healthy and featured backs in their offenses, I mean, that that might be how you win some serious six-figure money. And, and, and Baki, I just went to the draft board of that team that I picked where I picked Levy and Bell third. Second round, Joe Mixon. He's having his problems, right? Right. But, you know, I got – uh, looks like James Conner in the tenth round. Nice. <laughs> so, and then I filled it out with the, you know, I knew I had to get a, a running quarterback, so I went with Deshaun Watson in the sixth, and then two two solid tight ends with Zertz, uh, Ertz, and uh, Burton. But uh, that, and then I got John Brown in the eleventh. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's value values all over in that draft uh, for sure for you uh, as well. Um, Okay, so we, we've been talking about some positive stuff here. Some unfortunate news coming out of San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo tearing his ACL, missing the rest of the season. And for now, C.J. Beathard is the starting quarterback for the Niners. Is there anyone that you're still good with starting in fantasy lineups from San Francisco right now, or are, is this just an offense to just to avoid un, until further notice? I, I love Matt uh, Breda. always have. Um you know, they were saying he was out playing uh, McKinney, even when they gave McKinney all that money. But Matt, Matt, I think he's just a stud. He's an, you know, he's like James Conner's playing. You know, they they just need to get on the field. And so now he he'll play. He'll catch the pass. He can knock you over and and score. Um, the tight end. I just don't know what the rapport will be. I think it'll be pretty solid. So I think the tight end, George Kittle, I think he'll do well. And then who knows with God, uh, Goodwin, right? Goodwin and him were doing really well last year. You hope, I hope, Pierre Garçon, who I, I really like, I'd like to see him catch a little more and have a better rapport with the CJ kids. So we'll see. I think, uh, you know, uh, Pierre Garçon was hurt last year to where, when CJ was playing they didn't. Uh, they they didn't really have to, you know, any rapport. But hopefully, over the summer and things, they they try to work some out. Yeah, and and we'll we'll see what happens in that San Francisco offense. I think, um, for me, and not that I have a, a ton of Niners shares this year, 
Um, but uh, I do have Goodwin in a couple places. He's dinged up right now, and, and I think I'm leaning towards sitting him um, as long as I don't have any bye week issues this week. Uh, but going forward, I, I think it's sort of the Corey Davis um, approach where I, I want to see it first. And once I see it, then I'll, I'll trot these guys out in my lineups. But it's just it's too early in the season to be taking chances with these types of players with C.J. Beathard running things in San Francisco. You don't like Grant? Bra- I mean, Breda's okay. I guess the thing is, is I just don't have Breda in a lot of places. You know what I mean? So I don't even yeah. have to. I don't even have to make that decision. But okay. I mean, he was leading the league in rushing after week two, and you know he's shown that um, that he can make some plays at this level. So he's a guy. Certainly, um, you know, if, if you went zero RB or you know you're looking for another flex guy, I think Matt Breda's fine to to trot out there in week four. Okay. Yeah, I, I like him. I think he'll he'll be everything for. CJ, so and who knows though? CJ, what what did he do last year? He ran a lot, did he? <laughs> he did, yeah. And and you know the thing with Beathard too is he likes throwing to the running back, so Breda could actually take advantage of that as well. Um, and he actually might be the guy to to focus on uh, going forward right now in that offense. Uh, Craig, be, by the time everyone hears this on on the Rotoviz uh, channel, uh, Rotoviz Radio channel, the FFPC waivers will have run. Is there anybody that uh, you can share with us that you were aggressively bidding on uh, after week three um, as, w- as we head into week four? Or was this sort of a, a week where you're just trying to make sure you don't have anybody on by and making sure you have your starting lineup all set because there wasn't anybody that got you all excited? Uh, how did you treat waivers this week, sir? No one over – there were one person over 100, but everyone was under that. And, you know, for quarterbacks, I think people, they've slept on them, but now it's time to get them. If you need a quarterback, a backup, you know, a, a bye week feeling, get Ryan Tannehill. I think he's solid. And then Baker. Baker might do some things. And, uh, unfortunately, probably against my Steelers in the future, one more game. And then running backfield, you know, you got that kid Smallwood out there, and he's worth, you know, a little gamble. Uh, I wouldn't spend a whole lot, but if you can steal him, I'd get him. Not not real sure about Taven Austin, except in this league now, you know, he's running back eligible, which is kind of nice because it seems like he does any damage by catching the ball. And, you know, he, he didn't do that much as a ram, but he's okay. I, you know, both of those I'd try to steal. But I'll tell you this um, – when I look through all the wide receivers and you're trying to pick some out, you can mark this down. That Ryan Grant from Indy and uh, Taylor Gabriel, because now with a shoulder injury to uh, Miller, I think he's going to do okay. And he, he's been targeted a lot. I think he had 10 targets last week, seven the week before, and that's that offense with Nagy. So. That's a sneak play there, Taylor. But I, I don't, you know, Taylor Gabriel. I don't think you have to pay a lot for him. No, you, and, pro- you probably don't. I mean, he's not like an incredibly. He's one of those guys that he's not exciting to own, but you're not afraid when you have, you know, when you need to plug somebody in, you can count on him for, you know, sort of a a higher floor, lower ceiling type guy where you just need some points. Yeah, week nine. You know, that's he's your third. You know, he's a flex maybe if you don't have enough wide receiver. But I, and I think he's the reason why Burton's not catching. You know, he's not up there with uh, with Kelsey yet. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, 
you see him in preseason. He's catching all the touchdowns from from uh, Trubinsky. So, uh, you know, and then I guess some are, some are still out there is that Dallas Gobert and, and uh, Cam Bray. And they're both, you know, worth something. Yeah. 50 or 40 on. But that would be my, my thoughts. Aggressive, though, not this week. And, and, again, I rank all my teams that are, you know, 3-0, 2-1, you know, 1-2, and things like that. And then I kind of prioritize and say, hey, if they're doing great, I can't really drop somebody to pick up this guy. And so I'm not going to – but if I get him, fine. But right. somebody that's not doing so well, one and two that needs a little kickstart, I might go, okay, well, I'm going to have to spend 60 bucks or something and try to get up, you know? When uh, Let's move on from waivers. And, and uh, one last question before I let you go uh, th- this week, Craig. A stud that you actually might consider, not necessarily that you own, but, you know, a guy who went early in, in FFPC drafts that you actually might uh, consider sitting or, or tell somebody else that, hey, you might want to consider sitting this guy in week four, as well as maybe a sleeper uh, that a lot of high-stakes players will have on the bench this week that you think actually deserves some starting recognition. Joe Mixon comes to mind, right? They said he practiced, he might come back, and then now he might be injured. So if he comes back, you got to sit him, uh, no matter who he plays, because uh, Giovanni's he's not bad, and then they'll split more. So he's not worth a start. And I have him on that same main event team where I pick my bonehead play a pick in Le'Veon Bell. So I can't. <laughs> Quarterbacks, Kirk Cousin playing the Rams, you can't do that. Fitzpatrick playing the Bears, you might be able to do it, but I, I wouldn't. Um, and then, you know, I saw something where, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Bucky, but I think um, Patriots put, Burkhead on, on IR. You are today. correct. Yes, they absolutely did. Now, I don't know if this is the season-ending variety or if this is the, you know, hey, we'll see how his neck injury recovers and maybe bring him back in, in two months. I don't know which one it's going to be. Either way, no matter what, um, he is looking at missing uh, a significant and large portion of the of the fantasy season. And once they put Sony out there with, and then James White blows up on just every catch because Sony's going to be one, two down. And James, that, that's just great news for me with James White because he's on that main team for me with Chris Thompson behind, you know, uh, Deion De- Lewis, who I have, and then Kamara. So those are my four key uh, running backs, and they all catch passes. So, you know, I think James White now will be great with Burkhead going out. I mean, a neck injury – for a running back, he's not coming back. And with a guy who who had a, a concussion last year too. I mean, this is all some, you know, these are all issues, you know, from the above the chest that you don't want to mess around with. And what's like, I think you made the the point there too. Like, what is he coming back to if James White is catching, you know, four, five, six passes a game? If Sony Michelle is touching the ball 15, 20 times the game, and and then the the Patriots start running hot and they start winning games. What sort of a role is he coming back to at this point? And, and coming back, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, there's just there's there's so much working against him right now. I, I feel like the Rex Burkhead, and I own him in a lot of spots. This is hard for me to say, but you know, I think that you you had to take advantage of 
of uh, Sony Michelle's, um, you know, his knee getting drained and, and Burkhead needing to get off to that hot start. The fact that Edelman wasn't around, the fact that the Patriots really had no receivers, you know, that the offense would have to be funneled through Burkhead. And now Edelman's going to be back and Michelle's taking a step forward and they trade for Josh Gordon. And now all of a sudden there's weapons on this team and, and Rex Burkhead might be, you know, the guy that's left at the wayside. And, and even if you hang on to him, and, you know, you want to trot him out there. Are, are you trotting him out there in your league playoffs? Are you trotting him out there when you're trying to, um, you know, win $250,000 in, in weeks 14 through 16 in, in the main event or the FPC? I don't think so. I mean, I just I'm – I'm struggling to see the worth of keeping him around for fantasy owners, and, and I just really don't see it. Hey, real quick, if I can, i got to give some love to Chris Carson. I love that guy. I picked him up in a home keeper league. Uh, you know, seventh round draft choice. I knew he was going to beat everybody out up there. And then, you know, Carroll just week two just screwed him over, you know, had him running on kickoff. So right. yeah. uh, what was that? that I, dog- I, don't, I Listen, I don't, anything Pete Carroll says anymore. I, 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 it's, it doesn't surprise me. And now I'm getting to the level of Whatever he does, like you know, doesn't surprise me anymore. I think mean, like, this is a guy that he talked up in 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 uh, training camp as as being the best running back out there, and then he's got him, you know, working special teams. It makes no sense, Craig. I think he tried to, you know, put Penny out there, and that would be his excuse. And then Penny showed. I think Penny got thirty yards and two catches and didn't didn't score. You know, he he was a dog coming to camp, sixteen pounds overweight. And, well, I think Penny was a first-round pick, right? Yes, sir. Do you think it's a lost season for Rashad Penny this year? No, only because when you pick somebody in first round, he'll always be in the background, but he'll he'll be seeing, you know, Carson's behind the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> I love Carson. You know, Car- this is one thing. I had a really good um, main event team last year, and I had Car- with Carson break his ankle. Yep. I had him and, and – well, a couple of my running backs went down, or I could have, I could have done really well on that team. But so that's Carson Love. Um, yeah. What what do you think about Calvin Ridley? Huh? I I did not draft him on a lot of teams this year. I think I have him on one, and right. it's you know it was it's so it's totally par for the course, right? With with you know Matt Ryan lighting it up, throwing all these touchdowns, and none of them to Julio Jones, right? I mean, isn't that just sort of like what we've become accustomed to seeing in, in Atlanta, Julio gets all these yards, all these catches, and then struggles to get in the end zone. So it's so fitting that a rookie receiver, you know, in his third NFL game, after doing nothing in week one, catches three touchdowns and just blows up. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not he's not Boyd, and, and they're similar stat-wise on these last two weeks. You know what I mean? Boyd's Boyd's gonna, he's gonna play hard every week, and he's even though and Boyd came out of nowhere, and what Ridley was a first, second round, first pick. round pick, yep. And and for fantasy only, I'm talking NFL might be totally different with regards to how they're gonna come up, but fantasy wise, Boyd I think has a lot more value than uh, Ridley, but Ridley you got to keep an eye on. Yeah, and we will uh, for sure going forward. We'll also be keeping an eye on these uh, FPC teams and as well as your main event teams, uh, Craig, that you are positioning for making a big push as the season presses on. We are coming up 
on essentially the quarter pole of the season. There is so much more fantasy football yet to be played, and I know you'll be grinding hard, working hard on making these teams as good as they possibly can. I want to thank you so much for joining me on the High Stakes Lowdown this week. Great stuff from you, and best of luck to you and your teams the rest of the way. Bucky, your class act. Kiss those kids goodbye, good night, <laughs> and uh, congratulations to you on a great show, and thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub salad or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.